Miles McLaughlin, God's damn it. <laughs> what are you doing here out of uniform? Why aren't you in the brig, God's damn it? Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Michael Hogan. Colonel Ty. From Battlestar Galactica. And you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. There's long and busted. This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 159. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here tonight to give you a short show talking about news going on in the science fiction world, especially some of the trailers that have come out, Miles. Oh yes, we found some great trailers. And so we're going to be talking about that, uh, some news on Netflix, and we'll give you the menu in just a little bit. How, how are things going for you, Miles? Pretty good. Uh, caught up on all of our uh, sci-fi shows that have had their uh, mid-season finales, uh, except with uh, Arrow, which uh, which is this week. Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So, um, so obviously, you aren't caught up in that. Well, <laughs> nobody's caught up in that. that no, no. So, well, maybe someone is in the inside, but we aren't caught up. In but the, the, yes, the rest of us are not caught up on yes, Arrow. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, uh, at least you're caught up on it. I'm not caught up in half the shows. Revolution, I'm not. Walking Dead, I'm not. But, yeah, you know, we got to remedy that. We will. Uh, hopefully, this break of shows will give me a chance to remedy uh, some of that. That's for sure. Rumor has it is that you have joined the smartphone world, Miles. Yes. Uh, finally, um, we, we got out of two thousand five or whatever it was, and uh, yes, we we finally got. My wife and I uh, we, we we went to AT and T, and they had a great deal for an iPhone four. And they conned them into it. They, they conned us into it, and so they, they have us for at least two years. And so, yep, we I now have a smartphone. Right, right. Well, you know, Miles, if you want to bring the brick, that big brick you were hauling around as your phone, you know, <laughs> one from the mid-'80s, we can stack it in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast studio somewhere as a as a relic of olden times. Uh, you, you, you know what? That was a relic. Yes, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Miles, tonight in the show, what do we have kind of on our menu tonight? Well, we're going to announce the, the winner of the trivia contest, uh, right. who, who won a piece of uh, John Connor. That's right. And in movie news, uh, we ha- we got a bunch of uh, trailers to talk about tonight. We the, the, fish, the official first Superman trailer is out. The Star, Star Trek trailer has already been out, but we want to talk about that. And uh, the After Earth trailer just was recently released. Well, we're talking about Netflix and the deal they made with the devil. <clears throat> I'm sorry, with Disney. <laughs> and uh, and uh, why that may be good for us as sci-fi fans, especially with the relationship that Disney is now in bed with uh, Star Wars. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're glad about that in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, we're going to talk just a little bit about what Time is saying is the worst sci-fi film of the year. 
And whether you agree with their decision, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, it is not John Carter. That's all I'm going to say, which is surprising, I think, to some folks. We do have, we don't have a twist tonight because of the show. We're we're really recording a Christmas show tonight, so this is kind of a special news show just to catch us up on some of the news. Mm -hmm. We have a Sci-Fi 5 and 5, Raul. Uh, send it in on the top five things that we can look forward to now that Disney of Star Wars. Oh, good. So, <laughs> so it's kind of tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. it should be fun. Uh, we forgot to mention Hobbit opens this weekend. You mm-hmm. excited about that? Very much so. It, my wife and I are probably going to go see it this Saturday. Yeah, in fact, I don't know if this episode of the recording will be out beforehand, but whenever you hear it, please let us know what you thought of The Hobbit. I also want to see if I if I understand correctly, there's going to be like a nine minute Star Trek trailer for 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 those seen on IMAX. So. And that's prior to the Hobbit. Yes. Yeah. So so that we know the real reason you're going to the Hobbit, Miles. It's not for the Hobbit. Oh no, I do want to see the Hobbit. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. But it's to see it's to see Gary Mitchell. But that's well, what we think the bad guy is. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? He certainly has that personality from the trailer, as we'll talk about in just a little bit. Well, Miles. Let's jump into the trivia tonight. Okay. Um, we had a trivia. This trivia's been going on about a month now. So uh, we need to back up. Uh, what, what was the trivia question that we were asking folks to answer? Okay. We made it an easy one this time, and um, we, we harkened back to a classic sci-fi movie. We asked, who was Starman in the movie by that name? Right. And, the, and, and what prize were they vying for, Miles? They are going to win an autographed uh, a picture of a Thomas Decker um, when he's playing in the role of a uh, John Connor. Yeah, and if you are, a, even if you aren't a Thomas Decker fan, you got to understand that Summer Glau's in this photo, right. And Lena Headley. Right. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, if you just love Summer and whatever she does, like Miles, uh, you know, this is a print that you want, right? right? So, what was the answer? The answer was. The, the fantastic Jeff Bridges. Yes, fantastic Jeff Bridges in mm-hmm. this. And we have a winner, and that winner is? Uh, the, the great Kalis. The great Kalis. So, mm-hmm. Kalis, congratulations on winning this prize. Mm-hmm. When the new year comes, we'll be bringing you some more trivia. Be looking out for other things that you can win. We have uh, some Star Trek comics and some other signed prints to give away yet in the new year. Let's move into our first promo tonight. We do have this promo from John is in his in his novel called Walk the Fire. You can purchase this on Amazon, by the way. And I would encourage you, if you're looking for something to gift for a friend, John Miro is an incredible writer. Yes. And he's an incredible man. And what a way to support it. If you want to taste this book, go to iTunes. You can download it off his feed, off Serving World's feed. But here's a promo just to whet your appetite about this book. Um, so... Uh, so, John, here's some love for you, and Merry Christmas to all you Canadians. And and here's the promo for Walk of Fire. The Flames. Any who step through may stride across the world and beyond. A precious, precious few, the ferrymen, can guide you true through any flame and emerge from a crossing as young and strong as when first the flame kissed them. Fleets travel space for lifetimes, reach new worlds, challenge the black between galaxies, all thanks to the ferryman. But is there a price hidden in the ferryman's fire? A science fiction anthology featuring Matthew Sanborn Smith, J. Daniel Sawyer, Ed Robertson, Patrick McLean, Nathan Lowell, Brand Gamblin, Jason Andrew Bond, Jake Bible, and John Miro. Learn more at servingworlds.com. Walk the fire. The universe awaits. May the ferryman take you. 
There's a little bit of a sinister edge to that, isn't there? Oh, def. There's there, there's going to be something dark. Yeah, involved with uh with, with whatever John Merrow was writing. Yes, yes. So there there are some times where I just when John writes, I just turn away. <laughs> now this is not just all John. This is an anthology of different writers. We've we've had Nathan Lowe on here. Mm-hmm. I've conversed with Jake Bible. I haven't actually we haven't had him on yet, but maybe someday we will. And certainly John Merrow. So some good writers that are part of this anthology. And again, we'd encourage you to pick this up and check it out. Well, let's move into our uh, some of our first news here. What is the first trailer on our docket here? Why don't we check out the first uh, Superman trailer? But there's a little bit of information. Do you want to give us the information first? Sure. So, a boy becomes the Man of Steel in a long-awaited first full trailer. There have been teasers, yes, but teasers have only made us want the real deal. You've been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. Oh, hell. Zack Snyder's probably been on pins and needles for months waiting for all, for all of us to see it. And now it's finally here. The first trailer for the new Superman movie, Man of Steel. Watching it over a few times, it's clear that we'll be getting a much more morally ambiguous Superman. Part of it is because Jonathan Kent is immediately more morally gray. We see a man of steel and shackles. We get a glimpse of General Zod, and some alien spacecraft is, is thrown in for, for color. It's strong. It, it's visually stunning. Of course it is. We wouldn't expect anything less from Snyder. But the question is, will it be good? Enough that is us. a question. That so is a question. We're going to play the trailer, and Scott and I are going to see what we think. Now... We've been waiting for this movie for a heck of a long time, it seems like. Right. What, what two years? Is it, is it about two years? I don't know when we first heard about it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we've got tease, 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 and finally it's here. At least a trailer. And it doesn't seem like Christmas is when we get all these good trailers, it seems that like. Is, that is true, yeah. So they're t- tapping into the Christmas season. So let's go ahead and play it. Let's see, what, let's see how it sounds. It's too big, Mom. Then make it small. Focus on my voice. Pretend it's an island out in the ocean. Can you see it? I see it. My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You have to keep this side of yourself a secret. What was I supposed to do? Just let him die? Maybe. I have so many questions. Where do I come from? have to decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be, Clark. Whoever that man is, he's going to change the world. Ready. But 
<laughs> what do you think? Um, I'm I'm impressed. I'm uh, very impressed. It is absolutely beautiful. The music, you know what sets us off? It's really, it's Superman with a haunt, does the struggle to become Superman. Mm-hmm. And this is a Superman that we want, not the perfect one. Not, not, that, the, not the Boy Scout. <laughs> not the Boy Scout. Not, and it's really not, in, in this day and age, we don't want Christopher Reeve's Batman. Uh, Batman, I mean, Superman here. Yeah. We want a Superman that struggles. It was a little more human, and yeah, I guess. Um, and maybe he has a little bit of that dark side. Well, and he wrestles with what it means to have those powers, which makes him seem like he's going to use them more wisely, well, maybe it, in a part of it. It's interesting in this trailer. I mean, even the departure that Jonathan Kent, I mean, you know, and that, and that little conversation they have is, you know, Clark is saying, well, should I let him, you know, let him die? And he's like, well, maybe, you know, just... He doesn't know. He doesn't know. I mean, he, he's, he's trying to protect his son, of course, but same time... So it, it's going to be an interesting way to... I mean, Superman has to be the good guy, but at the same time, be Superman for today's generation. Now, the piece of music... Mm-hmm. we ha- well, Let me back up. The, his father, Jarrell, is Russell Crowe. Correct. Right. Yes. So a little tie-in here. The lady that sings, Lisa Gerard from The Dead Can Dance, uh, the Australian band, that mm-hmm. also did the music in The Gladiator. Okay. When Russell Crowe dies. Interesting. So uh, when he played, I said, that's the lady. Mm-hmm. So we'll actually play the song in its entirety at the end of the show here so you can hear it. Mm-hmm. But it's just a beautiful, haunting piece of music. Right. That kind of frames out the darkness of this. Mm-hmm. And he has, is the world ready for Superman? Hell yes. <laughs> After seeing this trailer, I can't wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably try to definitely see this one in theaters. Yeah, this one has to be and. I don't know what the rating will be. It looks pretty clean from what we can see in the trailer, but mm-hmm. who knows what they'll rate it at. I imagine they'll try and get it a PG-13 at the at the most. Oh, I, I can't see them going above PG-13. Yeah. I mean, I would think they would still try to go PG if they still could. If they still could yeah. But yeah. It'll, it'll depend on how intense the, the action and violence is. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, what else is on the docket as far as trailers go? Well, um, so, so, so last week we got the Star Trek trailer. We've uh, there's been pictures on the internet, but now we actually have a, a, a real a real. Trailer. And we did get like a three frame teaser that J.J. Abrams threw out, and that was very kind. In it, that <laughs> yeah. that maybe second or so. Of, yeah, well, uh, I paused it just to see it. Right, <laughs> you know, like everyone did. But mm-hmm. but this is obviously more like it. I'm going to play the Japanese one. Is that all right? That's fine. There's a little just a little more footage in there. Yeah. So let's go ahead and play that, and then we can chat about what we're seeing, what we're hoping, and our thoughts on this. Star Trek Into Darkness. You think your world is safe. It is an illusion. A comforting lie told to protect you. Enjoy these final moments of peace. For I have returned to have my vengeance.
vows? Is there anything that you wouldn't do for your family? <laughs> um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a deep question. Now, whose hand is it we're seeing at the very end? Do we have a suspicion of that? Th- that's one thing this trailer has that the American version doesn't. Um, I, some had said that, that that harkens back to Rathacon where Kirk is touching the glass where Spock is touching. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. But... Um, I mean, it does echo that, no mm-hmm. doubt. Right. But uh, there, there was a picture released of Cumberbatch in just the black Starfleet shirt. So I wonder if that's his hand. I, I don't know. Well, it looks greenish in color, like mm-hmm. a dark green as I'm looking at the still shot of it here. The, the real question is, who is Cumberbatch playing? That's the million-dollar question. And uh, so all sorts of theories. Some people are saying Gary Mitchell, but then why would he say, I'm back? Right. I mean, because I don't think, he, in, at least in the uh, canon that we have so far, he never really left. Well, the, he got killed in, in, in the episode uh, where no man has gone before. Right. But mm-hmm. why would he be back in this universe? Well, he's. Well, here's the thing. In, oh, in, unless they bring him, unless he co- travels over again. Well, no, I, I think it's probably from this universe. It's just, I think probably they'll harken back to events, some events. From the original universe and the, and, and this universe probably mirror mirror each other, I guess. So mirror each other, except he really, really didn't die; he was abandoned somewhere. Right. Like so I, I suspect that's a theory I have. It's probably Mitchell. The other thing that supports this theory is the blonde that seems to be highlighted in there as being maybe Sally Kellerman's character. Well, that's been theorized, but now the, the actress um, uh, who who plays her says that she is playing um, Doctor Carol Marcus. So that doesn't. Makes sense. So <laughs> that's uh, that's isn't that Jim Kirk's love interest at one time from Khan? That's in Wrath of Khan. I mean, that's the character that you know he had a child with. So maybe that's how they're you know how some of the things in this universe will have have in common. So is this perchance? Is there any chance that this is Khan? I, I know they, they, they show it. Show, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he's. Obviously, wrecking, wreaking havoc on Earth. Oh, right. So, mm-hmm. is this his revenge? He's back, back from his exile, back mm-hmm. from. Yeah, I, I watching this. I don't think it's Khan. You don't think it's Khan? No, he doesn't have the chest. That's 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 that's, that's why, right? It, well, yeah, and he look. He doesn't look anything like uh, <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. I mean, oh, well, true. Um, and I, I just that's just the vibe I get. I just don't think it's Khan. You don't think it's? It looks. It looks good. We we talked about mm-hmm. how the the Enterprise that starship being thrown into the water and then mm-hmm. it lifting out of the water at one point or mm-hmm. snow or whatever it has mm-hmm. some beautiful shots. Oh, some beautiful shots. The only thing I didn't like about this trailer was there was the only person talking was was Cumberbatch's character. Um, I, I wanted to see some character interaction with our heroes. Right. So maybe there'll be another trailer. Later I imagine there will. Like this one seems to be focusing on the villain, and right now the villain's under wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if they're going to try and keep it under wraps until it actually hits theaters. You think they'll be able to do it? They're doing. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're trying awfully hard. I think. In a, I, I think either in a few months or less, we'll probably know officially who the villain maybe is. Super Bowl. We'll get a new a new trailer out. Oh, definitely. I'll definitely, know by yeah. by then, and mm-hmm. then we'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. Uh, well, let's move into another trailer that we have, and this is a trailer from. The After Earth, right? Right, and we we were told a little bit about this. Yeah, Bob from our friend Bob Greenberger. Um, looks like he 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 is writing the um, 
he he and Peter David are writing the novel tie-in, I believe. So right, right in the whole expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is a what an M Night Shyamalan uh, flick that he's doing. I'm not sure who it is. It, it is. Okay. It is. It is. He's the one doing it, uh, and um, I don't think that uh, Matt Mathers is too fond of that. Oh, really? <laughs> well, well, there's some reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. We looked at what when you when you think of. M. Night Shyamalan's good movies, what do you think about? Um, I, I'm not sure if I ever saw any of his movies. Sixth Sense. Did you see it? Oh, I did see Sixth Sense. Did you Sense, see yeah. Unbreakable? I did see Unbreakable. It was a slow movie, but a good movie. I mean, you have Morgan, you have Morgan Freeman. and you I think you mean Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. and you have Bruce Willis' right. character. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And then after that, I saw The Village, which didn't quite do much for me. Mm-hmm. I saw The Happening, which I liked. But I got panned. Uh, Lady in the Water kind of got panned. He did one with the elevator that I never even saw. Um, but this has promise. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, the story itself is just if it is, it is an interesting premise. Um, from, from remember what, um, what what Bob was saying is like humans have left Earth, and um, uh, Will Smith and his son um, end up land, landing on Earth after after several centuries, whatever long it is. So what we've gotten here is really just the introduction to the movie, mm-hmm. because we certainly hope we haven't been given the punchline. Right. There hope. There's. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more to this movie. <laughs> right. I mean, they, obviously it's a survival story, but 
it seems like there's some tech in there somewhere mm-hmm. on Earth. So someone seems to be alive on Earth, maybe? I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. feel like we have the full story. Oh, I, yeah. like we don't, obviously. Oh, right. Um, beautifully done. Oh, the scenery is absolutely beautiful. This, this reminds me of Avatar just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Uh, with maybe out the hyper-realism. Mm-hmm. But will I see this in theater? I think it's too soon to tell. Yeah, it's a maybe for me. But I, mean, I am interested, though. I mean, definitely one I'll probably watch on, on, on video. And you know what? The reality is it's coming out in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster, right? It should be. Yeah. It should be with mm-hmm. Will Smith unless it becomes a dud, mm-hmm. which, which it very well might be. But uh, no, it it looks looks great. Um, wow, his son is really looking really looks just like him. It doesn't either. Sometimes, like, well, there's definitely some Will Smith in that boy. Oh, definitely. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, well, we'll see what happens here. We'll, we'll keep our eyes open for this one. Let us know what you think. You saw the trailer. I know that we said Matt Mathers wasn't real crazy about the fact that it's another M Night Shyamalan movie. But hey, let's see. Right, I'm not going to, just because some of them are duds, just totally Yeah, close. don't write off the director, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Are you going to see this movie? Heck, are you going to see the other two trailers? I think the other two are a little bit more positive for me, but let us mm-hmm. let us know what you're thinking, listeners. You can call us at 1-888-508-4343 or email us at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com. Well, let's talk, before we get into this year's worst films, let's talk a little bit about uh, how Netflix got in bed with Star Wars. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, mind you. So here's the story. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, in a roundabout way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the story. The deal was announced earlier, uh, I forget the actual day, it was last week, I believe, or the week before, that Netflix and Disney have finally pushed streaming video into a new era. The deal is obviously huge content-wise. Netflix scores first-run flicks from 2006 on and direct-to-video titles from 2013. But the biggest portion of this deal isn't the content. Instead, it's about the fact that Netflix is getting its content directly from Disney and, well, it's being allowed to show that content to subscribers much, much earlier. The terms of the agreement means that Netflix will now be able to show Disney movies on the first pay TV window which advances the timing massively from when you would normally see content appearing on Netflix, right? Hmm. So, the middleman. You might have noticed that Netflix currently shows movies from Disney on its service. Today's deal doesn't change that, as the current deal that it has in place with its distributor stars stays in effect until 2015. The new content plan begins 2016 and will mark the first time that a major studio like Disney has cut a direct deal with the streaming provider like Netflix. The current stars deal is pretty much how things have gone in the past. A distributor with rights negotiates a secondary streaming deal with a company like Netflix in order to earn some extra shekels from the licensing fee. Typically, the ability to sell the rights to stream these programs online is rolled into their deals for premium cable broadcasting. This allows them to do it via their various apps with a subscription login already resell to providers like Netflix. These output deals are typically expensive, calculated on a percentage of box office growth. Now Disney is making the deal directly with Netflix, cutting out the cable distributor Stars as a middleman. This obviously is a bit of a blow to Stars, who will lose the rights to Disney flicks in 2017. Then it will have to punch up its own original series lineup to fill the void. 
this marks a shift in the way that large studios are thinking about dealing with providers like Netflix. This deal for first-run flicks is an exclusive one, but doesn't mean that all of them have to be. Obviously, Netflix is paying out the nose for the rights, a figure that the LA Times says is around $300 million. Those numbers are set to make Disney a big chunk of change for putting their content on the dominant streaming provider in the U.S. The terms are incredibly good for Disney if the numbers are true. It's also very savvy of them as they partly own Hulu and will end up with far more money via Netflix in any case. Netflix has made deals with companies like DreamWorks and Relativity before, but the huge com- uh, but a huge company, but a deal with a huge firm like Disney is a watershed moment for the streaming video arena as a whole. It marks a shift in thinking that is taking smaller, typically protective studios like HBO are cutting deals with Amazon. Other giant studios are also be watching Disney deal play out and thinking about how they're going to negotiate their next streaming contract. So here's just the timing. And we're almost through the article here. But one of the most common complaints about Netflix and other streaming services is that the content is stale. This is because the window for system for pay TV is incredibly draconian. Here's how it plays out when a movie's released in the theater. Zero days is a theatrical release. One week, airplanes and hotels. Three to four months, DVD, Blu-ray. Four to five months, rental. 4.5 to six months, pay-per-view. Six to seven months after theatrical, first pay window, cable and video on demand. One year after theatrical release, second pay window, traditionally Netflix, etc. And then, who cares? Regular TV. Right. (laughs) Right. These are all approximate times as the deals are negotiated on a per-film-per-studio basis and can vary greatly. But that's the basics. Instead of being resigned to the hitterlands of licensing, Netflix is jumping upwards in the hierarchy to be right on par with cable channels and video-on-demand services through companies like Comcast. This is both practical and a principal victory for Netflix. Yes, viewers will see Disney flicks faster after they're released on service, but the stale feeling that the service has been fostering, but it's also part of the deal that places in the same playing field as other major distribution channels. An interesting subtext is this whole deal is how Apple is involved. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Apple's plans to tackle the television market, whether it's through dedicated hardware and its own services or working together with cable companies for licensing content. Disney CEO Bob Eager is on Apple's board, and Pixar's tight ties with Apple. Steve Jobs' widow Lorraine Powell Jobs is still the largest shareholder. If I had to guess, this deal will probably have clauses written into it that allow Apple the access it needs when it needs it provided it's even doing anything with TV and provided that that involves streaming licenses. This isn't going to upend the industry overnight, but there's a definite stench of legitimacy beginning to surround Netflix's online streaming business model in the eyes of the studios. The glacier that has encased our business model while streaming services have been on the rise is cracking. But by cutting an individual deal with a streaming provider rather than relying on restored licensing from output deals with cable providers, Disney's breaking a decades-old habit and maybe, just maybe, setting a pattern for other studios to follow. That is, I know that's long, yeah. but get the, the impact of that, Miles. Well, well, we'll be getting, you know, whatever Disney movies and... Um, it's, not, it's not just their, 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 their animated movies, but... They're, they have other studios and their different names, and probably that whatever movies they they, they put out, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get to see those a lot sooner on our streaming service. Right, and does this bode well for Star Wars? 
I mean, Star Wars is now a subsidiary of uh, Disney, right? Yep. Disney and uh, there's no reason we can't get that streaming eventually. I don't see why not. Um, so, yeah, for the consumer, that, that's that's good. This is bonus. This yeah. is bonus, especially for Netflix. This seems a blow to Amazon, although Amazon seems it seems a blow to Amazon. Hulu is, seems to be in bed with Disney already. Right. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. What do you guys think about this? It's a long story, but I think that this is incredible news for us, especially if you're a Netflix subscriber. Which I am, so... Um, yeah, so, hey, mm-hmm. I'm liking this. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move into our last news story tonight before we do the uh, sci-fi five and five, and that is, which film is the worst sci-fi film of the year, according to Time Magazine? So which sci-fi film is the worst sci-fi film of this year? What does Time Magazine have to say? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, this year's worst sci-fi film, typically when people think of it, John Carter Mars, right? That that was it a got lot of money, crashed. and it was and it bombed. And talking about Disney, it was a failure, right? <laughs> a failure for Disney. Um, but here's what Time Magazine had to say, or what they're saying. Time Magazine has revealed its ten worst films of the year, and someone beat out box office bomb, bomb John Carter for the top spot. So which film ranked in the worst of the worst? The Wachowski's latest epic, Cloud Atlas, which has been called everything from a film of the year to genre-twisting mess, just edged out Mars set tail John Carter for the top of the 2012 list. Considering the bashing that John Carter has taken as one of the biggest flops of the year, it's a little surprising that time opted to move the recent release Cloud Atlas up. Opinions have been split, sure, but it's a bit of a reach to call it the worst film of the year. Here's an excerpt from Time's explanation. Cloud Atlas is so much like a bong-fueled conversations I had in college that I almost ordered Domino's pizza afterwards. The problem is there's no emotional hook in this bloated fantasia of special effects and makeup wizardry. The passion is all brute labor of adapting David Mitchell's novel for the screen. Co-directors Andy and and Lana Wachowski and Tom Weicker flit across the centuries and genres in a whirlwind of bloody violence and cross-dressing, authenticity-shifting performances. But there's as much opportunity to get attached to the characters as it would be watching people go by on a roller coaster. What about John Carter? He came in at number two with fellow genre pick Abram Lincoln Vampire Hunter at number four. Hmm. What do you think? Well, when I saw the trailer for Cloud Atlas, I'll be honest, I wasn't that... It seemed to go all over the place, and... So it doesn't surprise you that it's listed here. Yeah, it, it, well, it does in one sense, because the star power they had. I mean, they had Tom Hanks and Halle Berry in there, and... Oh, yeah. And, and well, and then um, and, and, and Hugo... Um, uh, Hugh, Hugh, and, uh, the guy... Um, Elrond. Okay. <laughs> um... um Hugo Weaving? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving. I just mm-hmm. lost the name. Hugo Weaving. I mean, these are roles that you kind of are excited about, these oh, actors. Oh, absolutely. So, But honestly, seeing the trailer, it just didn't do do, do, do anything for me. Yeah, well, uh, so do you agree, folks, that this should be the bottom movie or should God, John Carter have been given the red slip and the bottom slot? Mm. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know what you think. Well, let's go ahead and move toward wrapping up this short show we have of just some news. We're going to end with a sci-fi five in five. And this comes from our good friend, Raul. And what he did for our sci-fi five in five, what he gave us was the top five questions raised by Disney buying Star Wars. Cool. So thanks, Raul, for sending it in. And why don't I take the odds, you take the evens. 
Okay. That were? Sounds good. Okay. So coming in at number five so, w- was, was will Tinkerbell be waving her wand the next time we see a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away? Oh, I hope not. Yeah. Number four, Miles? So will Disney World repaint the Epcot ball as the Death Star? That would be so cool. Now that I would be into, yeah. Yeah, change the ride around a little bit. I'll make it the Death Star ride. I think that that would be awesome. All for it. Number three, after Jake Lloyd and Jar Jar Binks, how will Disney keep the tradition of running movies into the ground? (laughs) Number two, is Yoda now the eighth dwarf? Absolutely. Of course he is now. No doubt. And number one, the number one question, you ready? Mm -hmm. Does this mean that Leia is now a Disney princess? Yeah, I think so. I think it absolutely does. Uh, It absolutely uh, does. Right. I mean, I've seen pictures on the internet of of Princess Leia as a Disney princess. So I could definitely see that. Um, And Disney will have some fun marketing that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, time will tell if any of this comes true. Right. But, you know, Raul's typically dead on with stuff, especially about Fringe. So maybe he's right here on all the stuff. I definitely think number one is going to happen. Def- definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm personally vying for number two, the eighth door, Yoda. And I hope that they will repaint the Epcot balls. The yes, yeah, we can always hope. We can always hope. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, maybe they'll actually have a Jar Jar theme drive. Um, that I hope not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or the pod race arrived with Jake Lloyd. Well, I, I think now... That would be fun. I think Disney is probably has big plans for a, a, now to add a Star Trek theme theme park. Star Trek? Star Star Wars. Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, you're yeah. still in Star Trek. This is Star Wars we're talking about, Miles. Sorry, it's, Star Trek is always on the brain. It is, it is, it is. Well, if you want to give us your sci-fi five and five and hide here on the show, whether it be in audio or you just want to send it and have us read it, more than willing to do it. Call us at 1-888-508-4343 or send us an MP3 at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also just write in as well. And that and that that'll reach us. And I believe that about wraps up the show. Uh, anything else we're missing here? No, I think we got it. All right. Well, until next time, we um, will see you. Good night and good luck.
Mm-hmm.